Hello, and welcome to Hacks on Drac, a podcast miniseries examining the legacy of Bram Stoker's iconic Dracula novel. I'm Matt. I'm Chris. And uh, if, if you're, you're just, just joining us, in, if you're just joining us, uh, this is a podcast miniseries where we're kind of examining sort of the pop cultural legacy of Bram Stoker's novel Dracula, yep. and kind of uh, seeing where the the Dracula that we picture in our head comes from, because it's nowhere near what the Dracula in the book Dracula looks like. And so over the course of many episodes, we've been looking at many different film adaptations of Dracula, talking about kind of his portrayal in pop culture, where certain things like his costume, his powers, all that kind of stuff yeah. comes from. And uh, This is episode six, right? I think so. Yeah. We've already done, so we, we've done, we did the book Dracula, we did Nosferatu, we did Bela Lugosi Dracula, mm-hmm. we did Christopher Lee Dracula. Frank Langella. We did Frank and, Langella and, uh, uh, and Drunky Dracula. Right. That was a, a, a single Palance, episode. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and now we're doing today uh, the Werner Herzog Nosferatu, uh, the remake of the, the 20s movie. Side note, I think last time we brought up um, that there was another Christopher Lee Dracula movie called... Yes, uh, thank you for reminding me. Stoker's Count Dracula, and I watched it, and it's really not very good. Oh, is it not? <laughs> no. I didn't actually get a chance to get around to watching it, but yeah, we totally... I left. was excited because we found... Yeah, we found out that there's a, a Christopher Lee... It was a German uh, production Yeah. Uh, called Bram Stoker's Count Dracula, and he agreed to do it because they promised it would be like a very faithful adaptation of the novel. Yeah. And, and you- at that point, he was sick of playing the hammer... Uh, Dracula version. Oh yeah, like and when you look at him in pictures, it is like the Dracula. There's the unibrow. He's got yeah. the mustache. Because yeah, like when we did the last episode, it must have just skipped my radar because it isn't in the Hammer. You know. <laughs> yeah, canon. yeah. It it's wasn't kind of referenced like an out there one. in any of our any 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 of the uh, articles we were reading about Christopher Lee Dracula movies. No, so. but yeah, but he really fucking hated those Hammer Dracula mo- sequels, mm-hmm. and he you know he only did them just to keep people in work basically. So yeah, they really must have had to promise him like a real faithful adaptation. Yeah. But uh, ironically, the Renfield I believe in that movie right mm-hmm. is played by Klaus Kinski. That's right. Yeah. Who plays who then... Count Dracula in today's movie? Yes. Which is the 1979 remake. Uh, of Nosferatu called Nosferatu the Vampire, spelled with a Y in the middle in a very cool metal way. <laughs> yeah. Uh, directed by... Directed by... Werner uh, Herzog. Werner Herzog. Oh, old Werner. <laughs> He's, uh, uh, yeah, this might have been one of the first Herzog movies I ever saw, actually. Oh, yeah. Have you seen a lot of Herzog movies? I've or? seen... No, not I've seen... Um, uh, what was it? Bad Lieutenant. Port oh, of Call the, New Orleans. with Nicolas Cage. Um and uh well this and what oh the um, grizzly man grizzly man of course is a classic i think that that might be it or 310 to yuma did he do that i i'm not sure i might be thinking of a different bail christian bail movie but that yeah i think i think that that might be the case yeah yeah Uh, i'll cut that part out grizzly man is is a wonderful wonderful film uh (laughs) it's the if you haven't seen the documentary Grizzly Man, it's the most unintentionally hilarious movie about a man that's eaten by bears <laughs> that you'll ever see in your life. Unintentionally hilarious. I would have never thought to describe it that because, way. Because like when you when you start watching it, it seems like tragic <laughs> that this man was eaten by bears, right? But then as you watch it and you get into like his home videos, like this guy thought he, he could like crazy. live amongst the bears yeah. and like be friends with them. At one point, he's like talking to the camera and like a bear comes up behind him and he just turns around and like punches the bear in the face. Mm-hmm. And the bear just kind of like shrugs and walks away. And I'm like, yeah, it's nuts. it was tragic that his, his girlfriend was with him when he got eaten. Did she? walk away no she oh, she God. she passed away too and that's oh, that's God. the sad part because she just had 
she was just she just there. happened to be in love with a crazy person and yeah. uh but they have interviews with like the like the coroner and like the park rangers and stuff there and they're all like the weirdest freakiest people ever like it's like they interview like the park ranger who like caught the bear that like ate him. The man's name was Timothy Treadwell, I think. He's like, "Yep, we cut open the bear and it was just full of people." Oh and like, god. Uh, yeah, it's a grotesque. It's a it's a it's a weird one. But yeah, I got to actually talk to Werner Herzog about Grizzly Man when I met him because no kidding, where'd you meet him? Because uh, yeah, so so story time, I guess. Uh, I've met Werner Herzog before. I uh, I used to work at a a nonprofit and uh, our boss. Uh, was friends with Werner Herzog. He's like a wow. he was a very wealthy man, and uh, and they were working with Werner Herzog on like a project, and uh, so they had like this big dinner honoring Werner Herzog, and like I kind of like like I didn't like I didn't have like a big role at the nonprofit. I was just like I just worked at like facilities or whatever, uh-huh. but like I was kind of like friends with people who were like working on the project, and they knew I was in like Werner Herzog, so like they had this like gala like honoring him. Wow. And I was like invited. They like sent me like an invite. I was like, holy oh God. my God. Because they just like wanted people who were like kind of interested in his work and stuff to come along and they had some like extra seats open. That's such a nice thing for right? them to do. Yeah. Like I was like I was so excited and like I went out and I bought like all new clothes and everything for it. <laughs> and I get there and like and I'm picturing in my head because like I had gone to like other kind of gala things with like that job before, but it was always kind of just like you're like an extra ticket, you're like in the mm-hmm. back of an auditorium, like someone's like way off in the distance. Right. I get in there and it's like a dinner and I'm like you, you walk in it's it was at this place called pioneer works in red hook brooklyn and uh and i walk in and the, you know there are all these like fancy tables set up where dinner's happening yeah and like there's a placard like name card where like everyone's name is you know like where you're sitting i'm lo- wow. looking at all the tables i'm like i can't find mine anywhere and there's like the table in the middle where like Werner herzog's sitting yeah i'm like i can't find mine i'm just like for fuck's sake just like walk up to like the table where he's at and it's like Werner herzog his <laughs> wife uh my boss his wife uh someone else than me then wow i was like i had to like go out front and like hyperventilate oh my god i was just like breathing heavy it was it was a cool night so yeah like we go there and like uh like michael shannon was there he uh like he and michael shannon looked like like bill Hader like doing like an impression of michael shannon he had like a big like 70s mustache and was wearing like a like a don johnson blazer yeah he got up and talked he was like hi i'm mike i live in red hook brooklyn and (laughs) He's that's like, exactly what i would assume he's like right like he's just like real cash like he seemed like a cool dude yeah. uh but uh but yeah like and, I, and we're like eating dinner and stuff and i'm like there was like this like i think she was like a model of some kind sitting beside me and she was like trying to talk to me mm-hmm. and then like normally i would have been more interested in talking to a model but like Werner herzog was like a person or two down i'm trying to and he's like talking with like my boss he's like on the, the far end of the table and i can't quite get his attention and you don't uh-huh. want to be like the guy who's like hey yeah hey Werner. yeah hey <laughs> Hey, big fan. <laughs> hey, down here. Uh, but I was just kind of just like fixated on because I still just like couldn't fucking believe that yeah, like he so was just surreal. like a person yeah. down for me. That was like crazy. And uh, so like dinner like ends and then like uh, like I see like my boss's wife and she like invites me over and tells me to, you know, come meet Werner Herzog. And I got to talk to him. He like talked to me for like 10 minutes. He was like wow. the coolest dude. And, uh, like, I asked him, you know, about, like, I told him I was a fan of Nosferatu and that, like, you know, when I read Dracula, like, it's the Renfield in this movie, which is true, like, I think is the best Renfield. It's great. And uh, and he's, like, what I picture in my head, like, when yeah. I read Dracula, like, that's... Just completely manic at all times. Completely manic laughing. at all times. It's just, like, truly crazy. And, like, I was just, like, asking him about, like, different shots in the movie, like, the shot where the little boy's playing, like, violin and, like, uh-huh. pans up. I'm like, that's so beautiful. Like, yeah. and I know you... I told him, I know you don't, like, storyboard things or anything. I'm like, how did you do that? He's like, I don't know. It was just... <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, like, you know, and I got to talk to him about Grizzly Man. I'm like, yeah, the people you interview in that movie are so, like, bizarre. How do you, like, find those people? And he's like, and he's like telling me how he, like, found the coroner, like, from that part where he's like, you know, he interviews the coroner and he, like, opens his hands slowly uh-huh. and, like, drops the, the thing. And he, like, acted that scene out in front of me. I'm like, oh, my oh God. Oh, my he's, God. Uh, but uh, imagine if you were, like, on mushrooms or something oh god that would have been just like insanity like i was it was bad enough like because i i mean there was just like free alcohol around so i was a little buzzed at this yeah. point like that was that was almost too much but were i you just like mingling by this point or are you still at the dinner table like talking? this is like the dinner's over and everyone's kind of like mingling around yeah. their tables and stuff and it's kind of been that like after dinner like they were like there was going to be like an after party afterwards where there was going to be more drinks and like fire pits and everyone was just going to hang around. Yeah. It was like a science-y party. There was like a telescope outside where people could like look at the moon really cool. And, and it was like kind of, it had one of those like after party kind of things happening. And so we, we, yeah, we, we got to talk for a minute. That's I awesome. wish I remembered more of the things he said. It was very loud and I was just more just freaked out that I got to talk to Werner Herzog for as long <laughs> as I did. Uh, but, uh, but then, but also he was like very nice and part of you kind of wants like the mean Werner Herzog mm-hmm. a little bit. Like it was, it was, it was like talking to your grandpa or something. He had like these little grandpa glasses around his neck and everything. But later I did kind of get the actual Werner Herzog experience because I had had more drinks Ooh. and I stumbled outside. I was like, you know what? I didn't get a picture of Werner Herzog. I should go. Out. Oh, wow. So like I stumble outside and I'm kind of like buzzed and he's like talking to someone else. and I'm kind of like a yard or two behind him. I'm kind of like, hey, Mr. Herzog, would it be all right if I got a picture with you? And he kind of just he doesn't even look at me. He just like points kind of behind him at me and just goes like later. Oh, my God. And I was like, okie doke. And I kind of just went back inside and i was like <laughs> did you end up getting a photo i did not get a picture uh, with Werner herzog i did get pictures of him like at the table i was sitting at where it's like the back of his head and i can point out that that's, I, i've never been know. a big fan of uh asking celebrities for photos well i mean not me either but it was just it was just such a surreal experience to be in like i, I felt think, like cinderella kind of it was like <laughs> yeah i think someone like that it's it's definitely worth like because that's just like an unbelievable yeah. person to meet you know, though, while I was talking to him about Nosferatu, oh, I got to ask him too because I was just talking to him about Klaus Kinski, and I've always been kind of curious if like the stories about him and Klaus Kinski were like true or if like exaggerated. And there, there's like always this urban myth that when they were filming Fitzcarraldo, that like the the villagers wanted to kill uh, Klaus Kinski and offered to Werner <laughs> Herzog to kill him for you know them. Uh-huh. Like, do you want us to kill Klaus for you? And I was like, is that true? And he was like, oh yeah, that happened. He was like, wow. And uh, crazy. So, yeah, like I got to and I also got to bring to his attention the fact that there is a sequel to this Nosferatu starring Klaus Kinski as well. I was just reading that. Yeah, it's like Uh, an unofficial sequel. right? Yeah, that like where he wouldn't even put the makeup on for it. Like he was just (laughs) like so over it. So he like Werner Herzog was not aware of that. So I hope at the very least uh, he took away from my conversation that that film exists. Mm -hmm. Though at that point we were talking, he had that. No, he said he didn't know about it. Yeah. So no way. But yeah, so I guess we could go from that to talking about like just Werner Herzog kind of in general and his relationship with Klaus Kinski because as we've said, Klaus Kinski plays Dracula in this film and him and Werner Herzog worked together on a lot of films over the years. They were kind of like a you know, like a real director kind of actor, you know, like a Ridley Scott, Russell Crowe. Yeah. Like a, like a De Niro Scorsese, you know, like one of those kind of pairings. Uh, but they fucking hated each other for a lot of it. Wow. Well, I don't know if they hated, like they, I definitely think they had a good working relationship and they realized that like, you know, the other person brought out what was needed in the other person. But, uh, there's like, 
if you, I don't know if you've ever looked up like documentary footage of the making of like Fitzcarraldo or any of those like earlier movies where like Klaus Kinski's like standing on a hill just like screaming at like Werner Herzog to like suck his dick that like the, <laughs> the script is shit and everything. Uh, yeah, those villagers really hated him. Wow. Uh, it's the but, original Johnny Depp and uh, Tim Burton bromance. Yeah, like yeah, it's like it's a very German kind of version of that, but with yeah. more murder, almost murder <laughs> involved. Because I was reading today, and like Werner Herzog apparently in an interview very recently said that like him and Klaus Kinski actually attempted to murder each other a few times. Like Jesus Klaus Christ. Kinski's dog actually saved his life because Werner Herzog went to go burn down Klaus Kinski's house and his while like Kinski was asleep inside of it. Oh and just the fact that like Klaus Kinski's dog bit Werner Herzog's leg is all that kept that from happening. Yeah. And I don't know any of the other anecdotes, but he definitely said that there were other instances of them trying to like kill each other over the years. Yeah. Herzog did point a gun at Klaus Kinski when he threatened to leave one production. I don't remember what it was. Jeez. But uh, but he threatened to walk off the set. Yeah, and he literally pointed a gun at him and told him to, like, like Werner Herzog is just like an insane, crazy, just like. I heard that happened. Uh, do you know Robert Crumb, artist? Oh yeah, R. R. Crumb, R. Crumb like, like yeah. the Harvey P. Carr guy. Yeah. The uh, uh, the director of that movie apparently Terry Zwigoff, who went on to do like Ghost World and uh, Bad Santa. I think R. Crumb drove him like so crazy during the making of that movie that apparently he started sleeping with a gun under his pillow. Oh my god! Because he was like, he was like ready to just like either kill Robert Crumb or himself. Oh god! <laughs> yeah, it's fucking dark. Um, but, but yeah, it sounds like similar to Herzog and Kinski. Yeah, that's yeah, that yeah, and they work together on a lot of films like Fitzcarraldo, the movie about how villagers move a boat over a mountain, which Werner Herzog filmed by uh, forcing a group of villagers to move a boat over a mountain. Yeah. Over many years and uh just everyone was miserable and many people got hurt and as we'll find as we'll discuss today, like Werner Herzog Werner Herzog is an artist that I respect as an artist, and he was a nice man to me, but he uh, he was not afraid to step over some safety boundaries and some mm-hmm. some labor laws. and Labor laws and then animal... Animal uh, rights kind of yeah. <laughs> issues, especially in, in Nosferatu, as were the animals. He, he doesn't... The, the people seem to be mainly treated okay in this, and I was actually reading in interviews <laughs> that... Uh, clu- that Kinski was pretty like docile through the making of Nosferatu because anytime Kinski would start to act up again, Werner Herzog would just threaten to put him through another four hours of makeup. Wow. Because yeah, it took four hours to put all the Nosferatu gear on. Wow. And just like he acted up once or twice and Werner Herzog just made him go through the full makeup thing again. <laughs> and then he didn't act up again anymore after that, I guess. So That's it was so probably ridiculous. like their their chillest kind of work experience together. Yeah. And uh and Kinski's a great, he's like an accomplished actor. He doesn't have a lot of lines in this movie, but he's no. creepy as fuck. He's creepy. He's such an iconic kind of looking Dracula, and he's just dressed in all black, and there's so many shots where like just the entire frame is black, and, and it's just, just like his, his head kind of yeah. like floating there in space almost. Yeah, God, the lighting is so good in this. This is the kind of movie that could very easily look like complete crap if they didn't have the right cinematographer. Oh, yeah. But uh, yeah, no, it's, it's kind of similar to... Um, and I think did I think Halloween actually came out a year before this. The yeah, Halloween, Halloween '78. Yeah, um, but that has a few shots where it's just like Michael Myers masks, like it just appears out of darkness. Yeah, it's just kind of in the corner of the frame. And it kind of just like. Yeah, I wonder if that had any influence on this. Too. I was kind of thinking that too, because yeah, there's like one or two shots where it's like his head's kind of like bathed in blue, like a little uh-huh. bit, and it's like it's you you almost can't see it if you're you know if you're if your TV's on like a low brightness, like you almost wouldn't be able to like tell it was there, but yeah. 
Yeah, it's, it's like when you start a video game that like they make you adjust the brightness. <laughs> they have like yeah, like the grayscale bars <laughs> up to like when you can see the Tomb Raider logo just barely. <laughs> then you gotta say when you can see Klaus Kinski's disturbing blue head. <laughs> your TV's calibrated correctly. And, you know, like they did clearly base like stylistically, it's based on the Nosferatu of the of the twenties. Um, but yeah. it's also like its own thing too. Like, it's also it's, a little updated. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this like he, he just has like two sharp fangs like in the front. Yeah, he's yeah. He doesn't have because I think the the Max Shrek one kind of just had like all around all sharp teeth, kind of right. As as far as I can tell, I mean, it is a movie from the twenties. You can barely see anything in it, but uh, but I think that's what the deal was. But yeah, he he has kind of like he almost kind of looks like a bunny rabbit a little bit. I think it's Uh like just these two giant teeth in the front, and it almost kind of looks silly. But it's but Kinski is just so otherwise creepy that he just sells it and and makes it work. The way he speaks in it too is so it's like very soft-spoken yeah kind of like uh yeah he's not like he's not frank langella for (laughs) sure (laughs) he's not like yeah they erased the whole sexy and this had to be probably the first time that they rebooted that concept like in quite some time where dracula's not supposed to be like this. yeah he's not like the suave because yeah like all the other ones that we've kind of been talking about are sort of built on the play version of dracula the balderstein and yeah whatever the other guy's the one name that is bella is lugosi originally yeah the one that bella lugosi yeah. originated and then frank langella revived and that yeah makes him out to be it's very much just like a normal guy yeah the frank langella one's like ridiculous like oh he's like elvis in yeah, that movie he's got like flowy crazy. capes and like big collars it's all unbuttoned yeah. and then it's like so weird to watch in this one where you know like nosferatu's trying to bargain with isabella johnny who plays lucy the you know, main protagonist woman in this to like become his. And I'm like, wow, this is real different than like the sexy candle at dinner that we just saw with like the, the music swelling and everything. Not that Nosferatu doesn't have great music as well, but it's like, it's very different. It's like just this kind of like moaning, chanting kind Mm of very solemn. I love the music in this. It's so good. It's it. There's so many great shots that are just heightened so much by the music itself. Oh, yeah. Like Harker's first, when he first, they show him hiking for quite some time, right? Yeah. It's like his journey is pretty drawn out in this version, which is great because it's so well done. Yeah. And that's, and that kind of brings back to the the book a little bit. Cause when you're reading the book, like him going out to like anytime anyone's traveling somewhere, it's an ordeal in the book. Mm-hmm. And this is one of the first adaptations that I've seen that like really illustrates well, how much of a, like anytime anyone's going anywhere, it's a big, long drawn out montage yeah. full of aerial shots of mountains and yep. rivers and yeah, it's amazing. And it's beautifully shot, all yeah. of it. Like it's, and it just gives you a, a good sense of like the scope and the majesty of kind of that area of the the country. And absolutely, and we and yeah, and they include kind of like the the uh, like the locals being wary of his journey and everything. Yeah, um, which I always, I always, I don't know that. It's kind of like a, like a werewolf in London, like that kind of opening scene that yeah. like sets like the tone for the rest of the yeah. movie. Like I yeah. like when they include that. It's also like um like Friday thirteenth did that too, where it's like people in the town are like, Oh, beware. I don't know. It's just yeah, like where, a cool... you, where you meet all the weird townies at the beginning yeah. and then like it's a cool horror trope and I appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, which by the way, like all those like Romani people that, you know, are, are weary of and were actual Romani people that Werner Herzog wrangled up and even though uh, they didn't speak any of the same language, mm-hmm. uh, he somehow got them to do all of that. So Yeah. It's a He's a he's a guy that gets things done. I don't know. And we should also say that this, although it's based on Nosferatu, um, it, they 
turn all the characters' names back to... All the characters' phone. names are turned back, but Lucy and Mina are still swapped. Right. For uh, whatever reason. And Van Helsing plays a, a much larger role in this. Not a not a much, much larger, but mm-hmm. a larger than in the original Nosferatu when he explains Venus flytraps, then just shows up at the end to do nothing. <laughs> but... Uh, but uh, but yeah, like it's yeah, it harkens a lot more back to the original Dracula story because, of course, the original 1920s Nosferatu is trying to avoid the copyright issues right. with Dracula at the time, changed enough to kind of make it different enough, but it wasn't different enough, and they got sued, and then all the film prints had to be destroyed, and then like the one or two that survived were the ones that we kind of see and now consume. Right. So he now. By this point, Dracula was public domain. By this point, Dracula's public domain. and uh, But funnily enough, I was watching a talk with Werner Herzog before I came over here where he was discussing Nosferatu, and when they were making... I don't know if it was when they were making this movie or if it was like later. I know he's had a lot of like residual legal issues with this movie, but like the F.W. Murnau Society, who, you mm. know, F.W. Murnau directed 20s Nosferatu, right. and uh, that society like uh, has the official ownership of that print, and they contacted uh, Werner Herzog saying that they were committing copyright infringement <laughs> by making a, a copy of Nosferatu, and he was like, fucking really? Like, yeah, that's insane. It's like He's like, your movie is a ripoff of another thing, and like one, it's in public domain, and like two, like you, like yours is a ripoff. He's like he he described it as being a thief with no jewels or something like that, a, like a thief with no treasure. Right. Uh. So, so I just thought that was funny that like yeah they would come out and be like you're you're committing copyright infringement. That's so that happens though because like I don't know if you know this but Come as You Are by Nirvana is very the opening riff the guitar riff yeah it's like very similar to. A song by this band killing joke and you listen it back to back it's like oh yeah clearly and killing joke accused kurt cobain of ripping them off and then uh someone discovered in like like five years before that killing joke song that there was a song by uh a british punk band the damned that killing joke stole that riff from oh god so it's like really you're gonna accuse that this band that you <laughs> that that they stole a riff that you stole. <laughs> yeah. It's like on the Simpsons, like if this is anyone but Steve Allen. <laughs> I was just about to say that. Oh my god. The production itself is is pretty interesting too for this one. Considering Oh yeah. Well, should we talk a little bit before the production? Should we get a little bit more into how Dracula... Well, I mean, we've already talked a lot about how Dracula looks. Is there anything we should say about his powers and weaknesses in this? Um, he turns into a bat in this, obviously. Does. He, uh, does he, it's, he... Said that he, it's said that he turns into a dog, though I don't think they show that at all. I don't think they do. Though, fun fact, I think this is the first Dracula adaptation to feature real bats in it, oddly. Like actual Like bats, actual living not bats. Not like a bat on a string. Not like a weird rubber bat or like a like an animated bat or anything. Yeah. Because Werner Herzog is all about real shit. Yeah, yeah. As much as he can. <laughs> like, there are fucking real dead people in the beginning of this movie. So. Oh, man. Um, but yeah, are. so he turns into those. Uh, sunlight is, uh, like, it makes him, like, it, like, stuns him, but it doesn't kill him. Because at the end, there's the scene where uh, Lucy sacrifices herself to him to try to stop him. Mm-hmm. And the sunlight gets him. But unlike in the 20s Nosferatu, where he turns into a little poof of smoke and dies, he kind of just, like, falls over on the ground and is kind of just, like, comatose with his eyes yeah. open. And then Van Helsing has to go upstairs with, the, with like, a with comically the... large stake right. where he's then killed off screen. And this is another one where he's, like, staked off screen. You kind of just hear, like, in the background. And it's then... so, yeah, no, it's, um, I'm glad because, like, now we're up to, what, the sixth or seventh one that we've watched. Yeah. Um, that now, 
they're kind of like you could tell like oh it's just gonna be like a high budget death <laughs> or low budget yeah. but how each one has handled it so far has been like pretty different from each other oh yeah like you go from like the bell go see one where he's yeah staked off screen off screen uh nosferatu he just turns into a poof of smoke and dies uh the Frank Langella one, he's like hoisted up on like a like the fucking <laughs> ship sail, and then he like sets on fire, uh, and then he, he turns flies. into a kite, and then he, <laughs> he goes away. Uh, the, the Jack, Jack Pounce one is hilarious. That one was ridiculous. Um, <laughs> he's kind of like pinned up against the table, and just like, <laughs> and then they just walk away from him and leave him. <laughs> Wait, where Mister? Oh, Christopher Lee had it. That one's pretty high. That one's that pretty cool. High. He's in the middle of that like weird circle, and he like crumb. His hands turn to ash, and he like crumbles away. Yeah, and I don't. I'm pretty sure we watched the more explicit one, but apparently there was like a less uh, graphic. Yeah, there's. Well, I looked up. There is a slightly longer one where there's a shot where he like claws at his face. And there's like several layers of makeup on it that look, make it look right, like there's right, like right. he's clawing like his face, like blood's coming out from underneath. But it's like it's literally like two seconds longer. It's just like that yeah. shot. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, and he's in the middle of that like freaky like Latin wheel, and his ring falls off, and it's like apparently there's like some symbolism with like the symbol that like it fell off on. Yeah. And uh, yeah, like it's super interesting how they all handle the death of Dracula, and this one's kind of like a mid-budget death. Like the sun hits him, he, he gets the white eyes with the contact lenses, and he falls over. And there's that creepy shot where like Lucy's lying dead on the bed, and uh. you just see like Nosferatu in the corner with like the sun hitting him, and it's just his head in the corner, and he's just kind of just like spaced out looking. Yeah. And it is creepy. Yeah. Uh, so even though you don't like get to see him get staked, it is kind of a like a neat. I know. I, death. I, yeah. I like it. I like when any movie works with like what they have. Oh and yeah. Still makes it. Like amazing. Which yeah, this movie didn't have much of a budget. This was made with a crew of sixteen people. Are you serious? Sixteen people made this this movie. That's insane. And what's even crazier is that he made this back to back with another movie of his called Wojciech. I think I'm pronouncing that right. Because uh, he like wanted to film in all the same locations, so he wanted to get done with making Nosferatu, then like have like a week off, and then to start production on Wojciech. And uh, he got around, like, stuff by, like, submitting permits to the government saying that it was just, like, one long project. Mm -hmm. So he was just, like, lying to, like, these governments saying that he was just, like, filming one long movie and he was, like, falsifying, like, permit information and, like, <laughs> trying to confuse them. And, like, Werner Herzog is, like, a big believer. And I, like, I, I hope, I don't think this is libelous to say because he's basically admitted as much in interviews that, like, basically crime is okay in the name of art. So, like... <laughs> That's something I feel like kind of defines this movie, too. I feel like that always gets brought up whenever I've heard people talk about this movie. Yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of very like it is like neat to see because like it. Well, I mean, not not as far as like the animal quote, but I mean, as far as like at the beginning of this movie, there are real mummies in this movie. Uh -huh. And it's, you know, and there's where were they from? It's from like some cave in Mexico. They died from like a cholera outbreak or something. And they were in like all in glass cases. Werner Herzog went he there in the 60s. The... He removed them from that and arranged them in order from like birth to death, like along the wall. Was so he... when it's panning uh... along. And <laughs> Did I, he have I... permission to do this? I don't know, man. Like, <laughs> And I mean, and knowing him, like when they say like for most directors, when they say they, they arrange those bodies, you would assume that like someone on his crew or staff like arranged them. But I could totally picture Werner Herzog just like single-handedly moving like mummy people around i and, know like, right it's weird um but yeah there are so many real bats in this movie like the scene where jonathan harker's like writing his diary there's like real bats hanging from like the windows and stuff and it's mm -hmm. there is like an element of realism that like does kind of make it stand apart from the other adaptations definitely 
Um, but yeah, the the anim- there are some like serious like animal issues. Yeah, there there are so many. There are tons of real rats in this movie. Yeah. So what happened with the rats again? I know. Which, I've by the way, before. I guess we should bring up while we're talking about kind of the rats and everything with Dracula is that like what I liked about what I like about Nosferatu is that he's tied specifically to the plague. Uh-huh. Which in the twenties one they they established that when he comes over he has like rats he he has like a rat army that he controls and they like bring the plague to Germany where this takes place instead of England like yeah. the actual Dracula, and uh, and yeah so and this is the same way when he comes over he has his his coffins he has coffins in this one not boxes full mm-hmm. of earth and they're full of rats and when they get to Germany just like floods just of rats out. just come out of the ship and they're all over the streets and everywhere and so now they were actually lab rats white rats they were white rats that they tried to dye black gray gray yeah and you can see them in the movie like they're like chewing at their like fur and like stuff because he dyed those rats gray and how he did now this is what i've read and i believe it's all cited correctly and this is accurate information he dyed them by like dipping them into like a vat of like boiling water with like gray dye in it and like half the rats died from that and that's what, like, he had, like, an animal, like, safety expert who, like, walked off the film. And that was, like, one of the anecdotes he gave as to why he did. And he wouldn't go into details, but he said that there were also issues with the sheep and the horses. Oh, my goodness. Which you can believe because later in this movie, there's literally just a dead horse laying on the street at one point. And it is a for real dead horse. That's like, right. when you look at it. And yet the rats were treated so poorly while they were being traveled from Hungary that they started They started eating each, eating other. each other. Yeah. yeah. I read that. That was... And uh, and there's another anecdote. Has he that, apologized for this yet? Dude, I don't know. He there. I was reading somewhere. He did give an anecdote where apparently at one point they were storing the rats in like this like farm warehouse, and they were like paying these farmers to feed the rats, and then the farmers stopped feeding the rats and just took the money. And there's like wow. an argument that broke out, and like Werner Herzog tried to go there and like confront them, and they like re- they took a caterpillar tractor and like rammed the truck with like the crew members in it Jeez. and like shattered the windshield and like the police were called and Werner Herzog didn't go into too many details but he said that he instigated violence with them oh my god <laughs> and uh and they lied to the cops by like pointing to like the wrong warehouse where like the the rats were they just like led them to like a random empty I don't know it's like so there was like literal fights that broke out over like these rats like but I wonder like this was this like controversial when it came out or did not people not really know. pay too much attention to that? Because like I feel like now if this if this kind of story happened, like we'd hear it all we'd hear all about it. The production oh, like would if, get canceled. Yeah, and, like yeah. but also like this is like kind of just independent enough probably to where I yeah. mean, even if this was like a mate like I know like Werner Herzog kind of had like deals with like twentieth century Fox like distributed. They distributed it. This, yeah. But like they didn't really have like a say in like when he was making them and it's all like right. German production companies and stuff that go into this. Yeah. And when you're working independent in Europe in the the late 70s you can get away with some shit i guess like yeah and uh, but yeah you're right like today if like even one of those stories came out like they would be done i think there, i was just was reading there's a, that dog movie that like oh where the dog drowned in yeah. the pool and the end like and they and then a sequel just came out to it a dog's oh, journey yeah well what know. was that show that was on tv for a minute where like a horse it was about like horse racing it starred like someone famous oh, and like Dustin a horse died. Yeah. yeah lucky, lucky. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah a horse died and like yeah, they shut horses. the show down like yeah a few horses, oh, a few horses did yeah yeah oh god yeah like so yeah there was a lot of stuff with that so yeah this one didn't have so much like treating people bad issues as it had like treating animal bad issues yeah but uh but yeah, it's a uh, 
the those rats though there are so many of them and there are so many just like creepy images of just like rats just like all over each other and it just like makes your skin crawl and it's yeah it's definitely effective filmmaking imagery i don't think it excuses what happened at all but uh but yeah it's well, uh, now it would just be all cgi rats yeah oh yeah it's like which i wonder so they're remaking we i think we've, we've mentioned this in almost every we episode. mentioned this in a couple of them yeah that they're doing <laughs> two or two or more remakes of nosferatu at right least now two one of them was like a kickstarter uh funded independent release and another is like a major studio yeah uh major studio one was announced after the kickstarter one which i think was kind of a dick move but, a little bit <laughs> but as we've discussed like 19 1979 i think there were like four versions of dracula released in that year or yeah it was a heavy year for and also there was like some other the the george hamilton like comedy vampire movie uh-huh. which I love it first bite i think it's called oh right Right, right. It, that came out the same year. It was so, a very, a lot it, of it was an ultra saturated Dracula year. Yeah. But this one kind, this one seems like it probably didn't have as much of a splash like at the time that it came out, but it's kind of developed like a cult following as the years go by. I think a lot of that had to do with uh, Roger Ebert included this in like his great films. Like oh yeah, it, like he he had well when Ebert was still alive, he would like basically kind of like when the internet started to really become like a thing, he put all of his reviews up online. It's probably, I don't really know, but I assume that that was kind of revolutionary at the time where you can go back and read it a critic, a critic's like entire work. And then he started yeah. to archive like the movies that he considered to be the greatest of the 20th century. And he included this on it, uh, Werner Herzog's Nosferatu. And I remember that like piquing my interest and I think that's when I first watched this movie which was like 15 years ago I like it that in this one Jonathan Harker's less of a dumbass and he's more just kind of bored and looking for adventure kind of he's still kind of dumb though I mean or Dracula looks really really scary in this one (laughs) Yeah, and he's still still just kind of like, oh yeah, well, whatever. Well, like, Count. yeah, like it's yeah. So so this begins, I guess, with Jonathan Harker. You know, he goes up to his boss, who's Renfield again in this. Mm. Renfield is back to being a clerk. We have we haven't mentioned Renfield. It didn't show up in a couple of the adaptations we watched, kind of in the middle of the podcast. Yeah, he, he comes and goes. Yeah, like he, he wasn't in the Chris Lee one or right. anyone's. But. Sometimes like in the Bela Lugosi one, Jonathan Harker is Renfield yeah like and and you know and it's it's so interesting now that we're a couple deep that you can kind of see variations in renfield where some renfields are kind of like more sane and sympathetic and some are just like bat fucking sane and you know and this one definitely falls on like the you know the nanner pants side of the scale where he's you know he's just like giggling and like like we're sending you to go to dracula's (laughs) castle (laughs) and jonathan harker's just like well i'm but what I like about, at least with this portrayal of Jonathan Harker in the original Nosferatu, you have the Gargamel uh, Renfield who tells Jonathan Harker, you know, in like his giggly, crazy way that he has to go sell a house to Count Dracula in the Carpathian Mountains. And Jonathan Harker's like, oh boy. And he kind of just like can't see murder in front of his face. This one, he at least looks a little conflicted when he's trying to think. That's but, true, yeah. But he's like, I'm bored of these canals. And you, you get kind of a sense that, you know, maybe he just kind of has like a bland, kind of boring life. And, yeah. and you know, wants to go off adventuring somewhere dangerous. It's a very white people thing to do, so... Mm. Uh, but he's engaged to, or he's already married to Lucy in this one, I think. I think so, yeah. So, yeah, this one flips the Mina and Lucy roll around, which occasionally happens. Mm-hmm. And uh, 
And Which yeah. always just seems like it's just like a flip of a coin. It's like, all yeah. right, who are we going with? It's like they're so <laughs> interchangeable. <laughs> like, yeah, there's it, it's just in every in every Dracula adaptation, there's a, a main protagonist woman, and then there's the the cannon fodder woman who right. who bites it somewhere toward the beginning right. to middle. Yeah, and uh, and yeah, in the book, it's Lucy. In the book, it's Lucy, yeah. And in this one, yeah, it's Mina, who doesn't die quite as early as she does in some of the other adaptations, but right toward the end, she, she mm-hmm. does also bite it. Uh, but yeah, so him and Lucy are married. Lucy doesn't want him to go to see Dracula. He does want to go see Dracula. They go walk on the beach together one more time before he goes sees Dracula. Very beautiful, big shot of the beach. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he goes, travels up to the Carpathian Mountains. It is kind of like the basic Dracula thing. Where he's, you know, he's traveling. It, they make a big deal about him traveling. He gets to Dracula's castle, and I, what I like about this is Dracula's castle is like always photographed in the most beautiful way. Like it's not like a yeah. traditional like castle on like a hill. It's not the spooky Dracula castle, but it's it's just like ruins. Yeah, it, it's just like it looks so dilapidated and like messed up. Like Werner Herzog is great at finding like fucked up buildings. <laughs> there are so many great just like trash, like beautifully just like decaying and trash buildings in this. Absolutely. And Dracula's castle is always shot in silhouettes where you can see the sky beautifully behind it, but the castle itself is just like in black. Like mm-hmm. it feels like you're looking at like a stage or something. Mm-hmm. And uh and the castle's not well it's not like uh the fancy, sexy kind that we've seen in a few of these. No, other. yeah. There's there's no candlelit dinners by you know candelabra at a giant fancy table and dancing here it's yeah there's you know there's a there's a creepy boy playing violin in the courtyard <laughs> in the middle <laughs> who is probably dracula right i don't know is the little boy Dr- i mean it well that's shots during the daytime so i that's guess true. that's just so like dracula i'm sorry i oh. think that's just Werner herzog's like what would make this castle more unsettling <laughs> and just his weird like german like sensibility like what if there was just a little boy playing the violin was silently this, was this after or before deliverance i think it's after right is it I, I'm not sure what year did Deliverance come out in. I think Deliverance is like probably 76. Yeah, that, that might be. <laughs> I think Deliverance was an inspiration for the Nosferatu remake. Well, the creepy, just the creepy kid being kind of like a, a sign that there's like evil lurking. Yeah, yeah just a weird kid just, that like doesn't have any kind of impact on the plot, but it's just like unsettling. It's kind of just like yeah. an omen of everything to come. Creepy kids, man. Creepy kids. I so like many. horror movies that start with creepy kids. Yeah. You know what's a good movie with creepy kids? The Good Son. <laughs> Where Macaulay Culkin's. Fun fact, I saw that in the theater with my mom. Really? Yeah. Great movie. Elijah Macaulay Wood. Macaulay Culkin, Elijah Wood. <laughs> <laughs> the endorsement from a Dracula podcast for The Good Son starring Macaulay Culkin and Elijah Wood. Um, back to this. Yeah. So, yeah. So Dracula meets, and he is Dracula in this, mm-hmm. Count Dracula meets Jonathan Harker. They have dinner together. You know, Nosferatu doesn't eat with them. Jonathan Harker cuts his finger with a bread knife. He approaches him like a creep. Yeah. to suck the blood. And it's, yeah, this one, this one's kind of more faithful to the book in that Dracula is just a creep right from the get-go, kind of. Yeah. And that's kind of makes you a little bit more forgivable to Jonathan Harker when he's just like Dracula creeps on right away. He doesn't have a chance to be such a dumbass to where he's just like staring murder in the face for too long. He's like, you could just get out of this castle now. <laughs> like Dracula kind of starts making his moves on him right away. And uh, and yeah, just the portrayal of Dracula is so creepy because, yeah, he has that eerie white head and he's kind of just like he's just like a head floating in like black space. But he's like Point very soft spoken. Uh-huh. He's like. Oh, yeah. you've cut your finger, Jonathan Harker. It's so unsettling. It, 
the the knife might be, have something. Your blood might get infected. I should suck. Like it's very, it's so creepy. Yeah, his voice is way higher pitched than you would expect too. Yeah, like it's. He doesn't look like he should be speaking that way, which yeah, makes like, it really, really unsettling. You've really got to give it to Klaus Kinski for really coming up with his own version of Dracula, because at this point, it's so easy to kind of just like we'll paint you up to look like Nosferatu, but you just still just do Dracula. We need to let people know this is Dracula still, so you just you know do a Bela Lugosi, do a. You know, do a yeah. Frank Langella, do a something like that, and he, you know, instead goes for this weird, like almost kind of, oh, what's that guy's name, Peter Laurie kind of esque mm-hmm. sort of delivery with this, and it's, and it's an interesting choice. Um, but yeah, so Jonathan Harker gets bitten right on the neck right away. There's none of the homoerotic keeping him around for too long. And there's no, there's no brides in this one either. There's no brides in this one, no, right. which uh, I guess keeps in line with the original Nosferatu, right, but. Right. But Dracula loads up a number of coffins onto a cart in a shot that's like a direct shot-for-shot mm-hmm. remake from like the 1920s Nosferatu, which there are many shots in this that are direct kind of homages to that. Right. And uh, and he heads off toward England because he discovers on a locket Lucy, Jonathan Harker's fiance, decides that he wants her. And Jonathan Harker's already selling him a house right beside his. Because yeah. Carfax Abbey in both Nosferatu adaptations is right next door to Jonathan Harker's house. Yeah. Which is right next door to his office. Where he's gonna be like, "We're gonna be neighbors." <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, he's like, <laughs> like, like everything in Nosferatu takes place in like a one block radius. Once he gets back to Germany, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, so yeah, Dracula goes off to kind of find Lucy and to move into his new place in Carfax Abbey because they do sign all the paperwork and it's you know officially his. And Jonathan Harker's kind of just like left captive, having been bit and vampirized, and he sneaks out the window using torn up blankets, which is also from the twenties Nosferatu. Yeah. And uh and he escapes and and uh then from there it's kind of yeah, like Jonathan finally finds his way back home and he's just kinda of like shell shocked and doesn't know who Lucy is and yeah. Lucy kind of becomes like the protagonist of like the end of the movie where she's the one kind of actively seeking out ways to stop Nosferatu. Van Helsing is interestingly like a total skeptic in this movie. Is that how he? Yeah. So he like like Lucy tries to tell him at one point that there's a vampire that's done this to Jonathan, you know, and and he's like, well, we have to think about this scientifically. And, you know, and she's trying to get him to like help her. And, you know, and eventually at one point she's like, I guess I just have to do this alone. And then she just like walks off. And it's only at the very end when kind of just uh, Van Helsing happens upon Lucy's body and Nosferatu's body where he's like, oh, shit, there are vampires. And then he goes and gets a stake. But, like, right up until the very end, he's totally skeptical, like, most of the movie. Yeah. In the scenes that he does show up in, which are still minimal because Van Helsing doesn't play a big part in, you know, either Nosferatu. Yeah. I mean, like, every adaptation, I think they're kind of just like, all right, well, what are we going to focus on with this one? Which yeah. characters are we going to make main characters? Which are we going to push to the background? Yeah. And this one, like, they definitely made that decision to reduce van helsing's role in it yeah this one is very streamlined character wise because i mean we've been watching some like you know we they seem like they got into a groove for a while where they like to do jonathan harker at the beginning and kind of just like have him be turned into a vampire and then he's like off the table and the movie focuses on like an arthur homewood character and van Mm -hmm. helsing kind of team up yeah which a lot of these we've seen well at least two of these we've seen that i think it might be because i think that the chris lee one does that uh the jack palance one does that well, I guess it is, too, because the, the Frank Langella one had Harker kind of in a bigger role again, right? I think so. But I think then so. It's These still... are all blurring together in our heads, folks. <laughs> but still, I think <laughs> towards the end, I think like the final third of the movie, it turns into like the buddy cop movie where they're like hunting Dracula. Yeah. 
but yeah, and, and this one, yeah, definitely doesn't have like the. This is definitely a reversion back to to the you know old doctor kind of Van Helsing model because we've been seeing an increasingly more and more kind of active occulty vampire huntery yeah version of Van Helsing, particularly you know with like the Peter Cushing version. Yeah. Um. You know, Lawrence Olivier kind of had a a more kind of active Van Helsing. Lawrence. Even Olivier. even though I didn't particularly care for his portrayal, <laughs> and also Donald Pleasance is in that, and I feel like he That's kind right. of lends his kind of monster hunting cred to yeah a, donald pleasance in that movie is pretty much van donald pleasance is pretty much van helsing in yeah. that movie he just didn't want to technically play van helsing yeah because he didn't want to get typecast and then they just kind of just did it to him anyway with a different name yeah. uh so yeah but and that was f was that f that was after halloween right that was that was directly after halloween because right. yeah he did he had just played dr loomis and didn't want to be typecast ironically enough the role of dr loomis in halloween was also offered to christopher lee who played Dracula. Ooh. And he, he said that turning kid. that role down was like one of his biggest regrets. I would think so. I mean, as much as I love Donald Pleasance in that role, Christopher Lee would have been amazing too. Oh, right. But Donald Pleasance did good by that film series. Of he course. was in all those bad sequels. <laughs> and he, get, man, he does not, he never phones it in. No, he's always, <laughs> even the, the one with Paul Rudd where Michael Myers is like a, like a pagan yeah, thing. And he stopped with magical rocks one. in the director's cut. Yeah. This episode's going a little off the rails, but that's okay. It's we're, fine. We're having I mean, fun. <laughs> I feel like at this point we've discussed the plot of the of all these movies so much. That yeah, it's like, like every, y'all, you all know what it is by now. Yeah. And uh, but yeah, this one kind of has the ending where Lucy finally just discovers that she has to sacrifice because Jonathan Harker is given a book about vampires by the the villagers, which is a little bit more of a better explanation of the vampire book from the original Nosferatu because in the original one, he kind of just happens to find a book about vampires where he's staying. Yeah. And in this one, he's actively given one by like the villagers who are concerned for him. Right. And that's where he gets his vampire info from. And later when he finds his way back home and he's shell-shocked, Lucy gets that book and with his diary together, kind of puts together like who Dracula is and everything and that she has to sacrifice herself because only a pure woman who can distract Dracula long enough for him to be hit by the rays of the sun can stop him in this. Yeah. And, uh, and she sacrifices herself. Like I can't remember in the original, uh, Nosferatu, did Lucy survive it? I think she did. Like at the in end the when, original... when Nosferatu turns yeah. into a poof of smoke, she survives. Pretty sure she does. In this yeah. one, she sacrifices herself and is just like dead. Yeah. And, uh, and then Nosferatu's killed. And then at the very, very end, it's revealed that Jonathan Harker is now a, a vampire, and he gets the, the bunny teeth vampire fangs, and he kind of yeah. starts acting Nosferatu-y. And he... Do you think that was to set up like a sequel? I don't know. <laughs> I think it was more just sort of trying to be like a good stinger, like horror ending kind of, you know, like, yeah. I mean, obviously... It's like the Frank Langella Dracula. Like, I don't think they were going to make a Dracula 2 when, when he turns into a kite at the end and he flies away. Uh, but it's just like, it's a fun, just like, he's dead, or is he? Yeah, you yeah. know, like, like they stopped the vampires, or did they? Right. But also in the background of this whole vampire drama is like all this crazy shit happening where the plague has come to Germany, which is a lot of the stuff that I like. And there's a lot of great picturesque shots of like, the town square where everyone's just like having a meltdown and that's where the dead horse is. And yeah. there's like pigs and sheep running around and like furniture on fire and people dancing and like rats just everywhere. And yeah. And like at one point Lucy walks up on just like an entire table out in this open square where they're having like a twisted version of the last supper. Uh-huh. And they're like, come join us. It's our last supper. Like really just like hitting the nail on the head with it. <laughs> So would you um, say at this point do you think that this is the 
scariest adaptation of Dracula's. I think it's. I definitely think it's like the most like viscerally like it's the most effective version of Dracula. Like definitely. it definitely like I don't know if it's like I would say it's like scary in like a traditional sense, but it definitely like it's, sits with you. It and gives you, you an uneasy feeling yeah. right from the get go. Yeah. And especially if you know anything about kind of the history of who directed it and you're kind of just watching, you're like, yep, that's probably a real dead thing over there. And that's like, yeah, and it's like that kind of thing do- definitely does make it like more haunting. And there's definitely like there's definitely images from this one that are seared into my brain. Meanwhile, I just watched the Jack Palance Dracula the other <laughs> week, and I can't remember most of what happens there, even though I love his, his drunk, bloaty version of Dracula. His, uh, yeah, his weird, creepy stare. Yeah, so, so yeah, uh, Nosferatu, it's on Amazon Prime streaming if you, if you want to watch it. It's, I would, I would recommend it, I think. The, this one? Yeah, this oh, one. yeah, I would say even start with this one. Yeah. Oh yeah, I, I like when I first realized how good this movie was. I was like telling everyone about it. Yeah, would you say that this movie is responsible for kind of bringing Nosferatu back into like super back into people's consciousness? Because obviously there was the twenties Nosferatu, but then it was kind of hard to find for a while, mm-hmm. and it kind of like and when it did show more up, it was like, kind of just like in like stock footage. Yeah, it's more like, like an urban legend type of thing. Yeah, like. Yeah. And, you know, there's like, well, did it star a real vampire? And this is kind of what just like brought it back into the mainstream. And it feels like after this, the, the Nosferatu version of Dracula is like almost kind of, it's not as big as like the Dracula that, you know, we all kind of know, but it does kind of have its own following that is separate from yeah. regular Dracula, even though they're more or less kind of the same thing. Absolutely. And this is part of, you know, what kind of continues with that distinction, because otherwise I think Nosferatu would just be this like weird you know, they made a one version of Dracula that was kind of like, you know, off brand. And then, you know, the Dracula series corrected and then it kept going. And this is where, you know, this is kind of what makes Nosferatu like more of a cult thing. And where we get to a place now where we're having, you know, multiple remakes of Nosferatu and Nosferatu showing up on like SpongeBob SquarePants and like, <laughs> and he's in like what we do in the shadows and all yeah. that kind of stuff. So this, this is, is not only a good <clears throat> And you know, our, Dracula adaptation. It also kind of brought Nosferatu back kind of into the mainstream a little bit, I think. Yeah. I think Are You Afraid of the Dark also had yeah, some, that, yeah. some role in the uh, resurgence of... Totally. Well, the more awareness of Nosferatu. Totally. And Shadow of the Vampire. Oh, yeah. And Shadow of the Vampire definitely, too. Yeah. Which probably out, yeah, borrows from this. Yeah. How is how is Willem Dafoe's version of, of Max Shrek and everything? Do you feel like that that's that he's kind of doing his own thing? Do you feel like he's maybe taking from the Herzog it's one? It kind of seems like both. Um, I think, obviously, he's, you know, it's based on the production of the original 20s version. Yeah, but, I mean, you um, can take influence from anywhere. Like. Yeah, his appearance is defi- definitely seems way closer to uh, Klaus Kinski's Dracula than, uh, than I would say Max Shrek. Because Max Shrek, they kind of, I mean, he looks like like an alien yeah like it's well yeah there was like an urban legend for years that like there's like that's a real like monster in this movie and that's where yeah where shadow of the vampire as a concept even comes from right because he just looks so otherworldly yeah so much old makeup from back then looks like so freaky like have you ever looked up like lon chaney senior movies and like how he would like change his face for stuff and he would like do some like torturous shit to himself he would put like you know like mayonnaise and like weird shit on his eyes to like white him out and like you ever seen um the man who laughs i think it's oh, like the the joker the prototype from it yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah like shit there are things from like movies back then that are like so just like fucking haunting that i like i wish someone would try to make a remake of one of those because it'd be interesting to see something with that imagery with like a real plot behind it yeah and that's like and that's what's interesting about this too is that it's a remake of something but it's it's definitely its own thing as well 
there's definitely things that are very specific to to this adaptation and you get that right from the beginning because you know the original Nosferatu just opens you know with like the shots of kittens and you know and Jonathan Harker doing his thing this one's like no we're opening with chanting and mummies yeah <laughs> and this is you're like you're you are in for a ride folks <laughs> and there's like a the slow motion shots of real bats flapping that are really cool looking and yeah and and all that kind of stuff and uh, yeah, so there's, you know, people argue that like, you know, like everything's a remake and it's like, the problem isn't that everything's a remake. It's that if you're going to remake something, really do your own thing with it kind of, you know, and, and it, it, I think it's an interesting idea to like do remakes of those kind of movies from the twenties, because again, they, you know, they're short, you know, plot wise, they're still just figuring out how like basic filming stuff went. So yeah, like Scarface, uh. Was oh yeah, that? Scarface. That's a movie from like the twenties or something. And that's the uh, you don't even think of that. You know the, the Al Pacino Pacino's, ones. Are yeah, remake. completely. It's a like a yeah. It's, it's actually very similar to uh, to to this in that it's like the concept is the same, but you know, updating characters or names. Yeah, or and really kind of putting your own unique stamp on it as well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I guess we could kind of talk just like culturally, like this one. Yeah, it brought back kind of Nosferatu in general, but also this is one of the first adaptations of Dracula that feels like it's also reflecting culture because it's so weird that this is a remake of a ripoff <laughs> that has, like, elements from the thing that's being ripped off in the remake, and, like, your brain kind of hurts when you think about it too much. Yeah. And, uh, and yeah, and it's just, it's so funny to me. Yeah, yeah the Murnau Society wanted to sue Werner Herzog, and it's like, really? Like, I kind of wonder, could could anybody just do a, a their version of Nosferatu, I guess? Like, if we just really wanted to do a version of Nosferatu and put it out and sell it, could we get away with that, probably? Probably. I feel I like mean, this Kickstarter I mean, pe- one, I don't think that they got the rights for. Yeah, like, I mean, there would definitely be, like, cease and desist and intimidation stuff, but if you really took it to court and fought it, like, we could probably get away with it, right? <laughs> probably, yeah. You know? Especially, yeah, because Dracula is also now in the public domain as well. So mm-hmm. it's, you know, there's not even that kind of element to worry about. And uh, so, yeah, so as as we'll start seeing a little bit from, especially in our last episode, when we're going to talk about just goofy-ass Dracula movies. Yeah, this is, the Dracula movies kind of begin to become reflective of other Dracula movies and kind of, and, yeah. and it's that snowballing effect of like, we're not so much making a movie of the book as we are like making a remake of this movie of the book. And yeah. it's that telephone gaming of the story that's where our, you know, cultural version of Dracula becomes so different from the book one yeah, and all that kind of stuff. So yeah. I hope that all made sense. I'm a little inebriated right now, folks. <laughs> so if I've been kind of rambly and, and a little off kilter uh, and you think that something's off, you're right. What was the original so, title we thought of for this show? It's going to be Dracula, Dracula while intoxicated. While intoxicated. We were going to get drunk. I, I don't drink anymore, though. That's where the yeah. concept ended. But uh, we were going to get drunk and discuss Dracula. Yeah, and then, and then I thought it was maybe too close to drunk history. And also, just trying to keep all this information together in your head is hard enough when you're, like, sober. <laughs> like, the only reason I'm letting a little loose on this one is because this is a movie I've just seen a lot. And it's right. not like, like, when we were doing, like, the Jack Palance one and stuff, like, I had to be, like, really focused on that because those yeah, were kind of boring and I hard. haven't seen them before. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, this one, this one I can cut a little loose. Cut a little loose. Uh, interesting fact about the production of the 70s Nosferatu is it was filmed in both German and English. That's right. Uh, and I've, I think I've only seen the English version. Too. Yeah, and Werner Herzog considers the German version to be the most authentic version because obviously he's a German person. You know, yeah. he was influenced by Murnau. You know, he liked that Murnau was one of the few German filmmakers from that time period who didn't, you know, turn into making Nazi propaganda or whatever. It's just crazy that they would do that much extra work 
and like essentially make two different films at the well, same time. Well, here's the thing. They didn't they didn't do it like in, you know, the Bela Lugosi one when they filmed a, a whole different Spanish a whole different, version. Yeah. They filmed it kind of like Giallo style. Like, I don't know if you're familiar with how like Giallo films are filmed, like Dario Argento movies, where they have They're like speaking. actors of different like nationalities who are all speaking in their own language and then they overdub everyone correctly as needed. Right. So like he filmed, because like Isabella Johnny, Is that I don't think. Why? That's why it looks like that? That's why it looks like that and I sounds like that. that. I always wonder, because like, I, you know, I would sometimes fall into a wormhole watching a, like, a lot of Italian horror movies. Yeah. I, it's, I like that style. Like it, it clearly like it has become its own like thing in yeah. a way. But I always wondered that. Like why? Yeah, that's why of... you're watching. Like some people, like their their words line up with what they're saying, but then other people don't. Yeah, and it's yeah, God, it's so weird. And that's why, because yeah, those like Argento movies are filmed with no sound. I think this was filmed with sound, and it's just like because like half the actors were English and like half the actors were like Isabella Johnny. I don't think spoke German. Like I don't yeah. think Van Helsing. Maybe he spoke something different. So they would have like you know enough of the people speaking German like speaking their language, and then they'd overdub all the English people as needed. And then for the English version, you know, all the English people are speaking their language as you know taken from set or whatever. Because there's definitely boom mics that appear in shots. I noticed when I watched this time, so they did have onset sound of some sort. Right. And then they would just overdub all the English people, so it was or yeah. all the German people with English rather. Yeah. So it's uh yeah it was kind of made that way, and it it does kind of have the feel of a Giallo movie where like the the dialogue seems just a little disconnected and everyone's talking. There's like a, there's like just a tiny bit of awkwardness Yeah. where it's like, you can tell the actors are just sitting there and watching someone speak words. They can't understand <laughs> at all. And just waiting for them to get finished to like, to like do their dialogue back. Oh, it's so bizarre. Um, yeah. And also an interesting fact about this, uh, Werner Herzog doesn't like the book Dracula. Really? He thinks it's mediocre literature, <laughs> <laughs> which I found out when I watched that speech with him uh, earlier today. When so. did he say that? He gave like a speech, like uh, he he did like a where they screen like Dracula and do like an hour long conversation. Like if you if you look up uh, Nosferatu, uh, like Werner Herzog Nosferatu, like on YouTube, yeah, there's like a whole like hour and a half long speech. I didn't get to watch all of it. I watched yeah. a lot of it before I came over here. Yeah, I have to watch that. But yeah, they asked him yeah his opinion about Dracula, and he was like, it's mediocre. <laughs> <laughs> Which is funny because he decided to do a whole... He really more just liked Murnau and that kind of movement of film, I think, than he, he cared for Dracula. Yeah. But for not caring for Dracula, he does an okay job kind of capturing certain elements of the book that are, you know, important. Absolutely. Like, yeah. you know, the, the fact that the travel is so extensive and crazy, the kind of Jonathan Harker cat and mouse game where, like, there's scenes where Jonathan Harker's locked in the castle, he's trying to get out, he has to escape. They do a good job with that, you know. The there are scenes on the boat that seem pretty accurate to the the book, mm -hmm. which sometimes um, they gloss over that quite a bit. Yeah. So. Oh yeah. Like I, I think in the play, like the book isn't even present like at all. Yeah. Like these movies are based off of like Dracula's just like kind of already there. Yeah. Uh, you know, like in the the Frank Langella one, it has like the Jurassic Park opening on the boat. <laughs> We're like, there's something in the box, and uh, that's right. But yeah, so so yeah, so that's. That's Werner Herzog's Nosferatu, I guess, Sweet. in a nutshell. What are we doing on the next episode? It looks like we're going to be doing the the Francis Ford Coppola Dracula next up. Awesome. I've probably seen that more than any other version. I've seen it once Just or twice. It like it wasn't ago. it wasn't my favorite growing up, but yeah, we'll we'll get into that next time. That movie's from what 91, 92. 92? 
So yeah, so if you're if you're uh, wanting to watch all these before you uh, listen to the podcast, yes, uh, check that one out. Check that one out. I don't know. I don't think that one's streaming anywhere. Uh, it might be on Netflix actually. I don't know. It, it might be on something. I don't yeah. know. But uh, but yeah. So I guess is there anything else you want to say before we sign off? Or I don't think so. All right. Well, that's all for us tonight on uh, Hacks on Drax. So uh, we'll sign off and say good, good evening. evening.